so you get mass applications to your recruitment, but I would say 90% of them aren't qualified for the job that you're recruiting for. So people do like to throw their name in the hat, um, but they are not actually qualified to do that particular job. So it's something that we're running into a lot more in the market, um, especially when it comes to recruiting, is being able to find qualified talent for your current job opening. They might be qualified in something, just maybe not what you're recruiting for. All right, y'all, I am back with another episode. Today, I have Tiffany Plummer with me. Um, hey, Tiffany, by the way, I finally changed your name in my phone. I have, I, it took me forever. Um, it's okay. So, uh, so finally, finally got that, uh, got that change in my phone. But um, Tiffany, you're in HR, as a lot of folks from Cedar Hill already know, um, uh, as you probably are. You know, HR is one of the things like I'm like not good at at all. Like everybody has different skill sets, different talents. I could sell, I can invest, I can market, um, I could deal with people. But as far as like hiring, recruiting, retaining, you know, all and everything involved in that process, I have had employees before, and I was a mess. And so um, I'm gonna ask you all the questions that I wish I could ask somebody before I start hiring. Um, uh, help me help others. Help me and help me help others. That's what I'm here for. My mission in life. <laughs> so, so where'd you where'd you grow up? Um, I grew up in Portland, Oregon. So I'm from the West Coast. Everyone says Seattle. No, not quite Seattle. It's like Seattle. We're three hours south. So Oregon itself is its own state. Portland is its own city. We have our own identity. Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> everyone should know those. Portland Trailblazers. Yes, they, they're looking good. They're looking like, like, um, they're looking good. Better than I ever thought they would look. Not as good as my rocket. So. <laughs> yes, I'll let you have your rocket. You can yeah. keep them. And, and so when did you get into HR? Um, I started in HR right out of college. So I started at a staffing agency working, helping hire temps or helping place temps. And then while I was in school, I was taking HR classes, HR-related classes, and I moved on from there and really dived, dove into the field of HR, became a generalist first, and have worked my way up since. Okay. And, and so for me, HR is, a, is an interesting field, right? Because, you know, ever since we came out of the recession, a lot of the gains that came in the economy came from benefits of tech and increasing productivity per people and you didn't have to focus as much on attracting and retaining quality people unless you were like in a few industries like you know like if you were like Netflix or something like that where you had to have talented people but now I think we're getting and everything cycles right but I'm thinking we're getting to the point to where we squeezed out um, you know costs and squeezed out technology and now you're gonna have to go back to finding qualified and good people right and and i think it's interesting we're in an interesting time now because 
the economy is completely change, changing and the, the collective skill sets um, haven't necessarily in mass transferred yet, meaning there are fewer qualified people to do what you want them to do, which means it's gonna be harder and harder um, to recruit and retain qualified people. And so, you know, um, A, you're shaking your head. I'm assuming that's, that's what you're seeing too? Mm-hmm. Yes. So right now in the recruiting, so you get mass applications to your recruitment, but I would say 90% of them aren't qualified for the job that you're recruiting for. So people do like to throw their name in the hat, um, but they are not actually qualified to do that particular job. So it's something that we're running into a lot more in the market, um, especially when it comes to recruiting, is being able to find qualified talent for your current job opening. They might be qualified in something just maybe not what you're recruiting for. Um, and being able to be creative with a solution. So if you're getting a lot of applications, that's great. But being able to attract the right talent to your particular job opening is something that needs to be taken care of. But if you also are kind of running into the wall of I'm getting all these applicants, but they're not right for my job, you might need to be creative in creating training solutions so that they can be part of your workforce. So you, you brought that up. I'm I'm gonna come back to that because that was my second question. But going deeper into the first one, what 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 are some things? And that may be the answer. But what are some things um, that you're advising your clients to do to to find the right people? Right. So part of it is going out and finding them. So we can't sit around and wait for them to come to us. We have to go out and get them. So just say you're trying to hire a salesperson. So if you're at Dillard's and you love your salesperson, there's nothing wrong with giving your card and saying, hey, let's grab coffee. You might be perfect for my role. You're out buying a car, you're out someplace. You can go out and find talent and recruit them to come work for you. Um, You can use search engines like LinkedIn and go through and find resumes yourself as opposed to waiting for someone to apply for your job. So there's a lot of people out there that don't know that they're looking yet. Mm -hmm. But it's a whole lot of unhappy people, right? So, so, so is LinkedIn like the number one kind of online connecting place for jobs? Or it, it really depends on what you're recruiting for. So if you are in a highly professional field, so technology, sales, um, office administration, executive level, LinkedIn is definitely a great place to find top talent. Um, if you're in kind of the mid-entry level to mid-range positions that you're looking for, you can find them on the Indeed. Indeed does have a search feature as well that's available. Um, and so you can look in both places, LinkedIn and Indeed, but Indeed is typically where you'd find great entry-level candidates for your position. Okay. And then going, and going back to the training, because that's one of the things that I'm most interested in, right? And let me, and let me frame it up the right way, because I think, I think you're probably going to have some really good ideas. Um, uh, there are a lot of, I'm going to give a perfect, a real-time example, the Uber and Lyft strike that's going on right now today before the IPO. You know, as a business guy, like, I, you know, regardless of what people think, how they feel, like there are just certain immovable forces in the world and you're not gonna move against capital. You know what I mean? Meaning, meaning money's gonna go where it's treated most. You and I are gonna, all things being equal, buy where we're gonna get good quality for the cheapest, right? And, Companies, if, if we're going to do it, companies are no different. And so my deal is if somebody 
is, you know, full-time job or whatever they're doing is, 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 is for, and by the way, I think people should fight for sure, but here's what's going to happen. They're going to fight. They're going to force the wages up and they're going to speed up the process of them being automated out. Right. Broke. They're, they're all they're going to get automated out they're just going to speed the process up because they're going to be like i'd rather invest in speeding this process up than pay these drivers for the next few years they're going to pay them but it's, they're going to speed the process of automating them out so what i'm saying is the conversation i think should be how do we take those people that are disenfranchised and skill them up because you and i know that there's plenty of jobs that they can make a lot more money and if they go through the 12 or 18 month training process of getting skilled up and they'll go from making $7 an hour to 50 bucks an hour. But there's that gap, right? There's that gap of training. Um, so what, what, what are you seeing companies doing or what are you advising your clients to do to close the gap, to, to skill up all these people that want to make more money and connect them with the businesses that want to pay them more? So there's a couple parts to that question. So let's start first with the kind of entry-level skilled, unskilled labor or people that don't might not have as much experience. So those are people that you can create internal training programs yourself, hire a, a great trainer, a great educator to build a program. And so you give them the skills specifically that you need them to have to complete your work. Um, and those are the people that are typically a little more loyal um, and they stick around for a little bit longer because they don't have any skills and you're giving them skills. And so they're being invested in and they really enjoy that. Um, the second piece to your question is the people that kind of have a set of skills and we're kind of retraining them a little bit and just kind of refocusing what they have to make them better, to make them more money. Those people, that's where you work with your local workforce, um, so, so like the Texas Workforce Commission here in Texas, um, but your local job creation center, so whatever that is for your state, local colleges, universities, really get with them and the professors in their programs and understand what they're teaching because a lot of them are actually teaching outdated information because they're professors. So they're not in the job market. They're not really out there paying attention to what's really happening. They're a couple of years behind the trend. So you get with them, work with them and say, hey, if you can start teaching these things in your classes, I can start hiring your people right out of school. And it's a win-win for both of you because Universities like to advertise that they have a school-to-job ratio that, you know, a lot of their students get hired by employers within so many months of graduating, and you need skilled talent. So working directly with them to create the programs that you need and have them come up with the I, the tools behind the training, and so it's, it's a win-win. So, and it's also a cost-saving measure for you. And, and, and what about because because literally this is what I was thinking for my business right so I'm you know I'm I'm not gonna do the traditional you know hire um, somebody to sell my services for you know and pay them based on how many clients they bring in the way that you know the Edward Jones and all you know I'm Morgan Stanley and all you know all those companies do a because it's ridiculously hard to make it I'll by the grace of God I'm you know. I made it, but it was extremely difficult. And B, you know, I understand the, the model's outdated, right? The model is we hire 10, right? One will stick after five years. We'll ruin nine of their lives, you know, but we'll get the one and then they'll get all those clients and they'll be successful and we'll make our money because we don't, you know, that, that's kind of the model, right? And I'm like, man, that's just a horrible model for the nine that don't make it, you know? And so what I, what I was doing, I was like, hey, I would love, and you hit on the nail, I would love to go to college campus and say, Hey, let me let me train some financial planners. 
you know, you come in, you're not going to make a lot because you have no experience, but I'm going to literally pay for you to get all your licenses. I'm going to have you, um, you know, watch what I do. If I can create with the school, like some courses ahead of time, uh, and I don't know how I would do that, but I would literally have to go to like somebody like you and say, Tiffany, look, let me just shadow me for a week, look at what I do, and how do we like take all this out of my brain? I would, you know, I wouldn't know how to do it. The only way I would know is I would say, I'm just going to pay somebody to like video record me or pay you to just follow me around for a week and then say, all right, how do we turn this into a course? Is that possible? Right. The last two options where I just say, Hey, we need to take, I would, it would take a little more than a week, but it's definitely possible because you have to get into like the processes and then I have to get into your brain at the same time. Got it. So following you around and seeing what you do is one thing, but getting into why you decided to make that decision because then it becomes kind of a decision tree and uncorking some of that, that knowledge that's in your head. Got and it. then okay. getting to Philip's head is, is a special, special um, place because you have lots of thoughts every minute. Place. Yes. And you, and they'll change from week to week. Yeah. Uh, uh, so no, that's good to know because like, I, you know, I literally, I, I use a lot of, um, I outsource a lot right now for stuff that I need because I'm just, you know, A, is easier on the wallet. Uh, I don't have to have a long-term commitment, but it scares me to death to think about yeah. hiring again. Um, yeah. Last question about HR uh, and hiring uh, and, and retaining talent. So once, so once you train them, once you find them and or you train them and you get them in, like how do you keep good talent? So keeping good talent is their people. So one of the biggest things is to treat them well um, and don't treat them like a resource. So we call it human resources because they are indeed resources for us, but treat them like people and not just a number on a spreadsheet or a paycheck going out the door. Um, people have different motivations. People like they work for different reasons. The number one reason anybody works is for their paycheck. So we need to make sure that that's fair and equitable um, across the board. Outside of that is when you get into start offering benefits. Um, if you're able to offer health insurance, that's wonderful. Um, I know a lot of small employers aren't able to do that just because of the cost. So if you can find a way to either help subsidize the cost or join um, some sort of group plan where they can pay 100% of it, but they get the benefits of being in a larger group plan so they get lower deductibles, things of that nature. Um, so look into some of your options that are out there. Um, being flexible. So being offering telecommuting options so that they can spend more time with their children and work at nine o'clock at night where their kids. So there's lots of things you can do that feed you and are at no cost to you. So the biggest thing is treat them like people um, and really get to know what motivates them individually. So some people motivate them motivated by money. Some people are motivated by experience and education, and some are motivated by power. They like the authority to be able to make decisions. So giving them some of that power to be able to call vendors and have conversations without you, that might be all it takes to make them happy in their role. So really understand that. And, and so is that more, is that kind of like the HR officer's job is to understand each employee? It kind of like becomes, the way I think of it is like, they become your clients. You're like, hey, like these employees care about this these care about that and you tell them yeah. is that is that kind of 
So that's kind of what we do, um, but we do that on a larger scale because obviously you can't sit down and have a super long personal conversation with everyone and keep this huge file. So a lot of that comes through pre-employment assessments. Um, so having them take the disc um, or having them take different kinds of personality assessments to get to know who they are, how they are, um, know your disc personality, um, and really understand the employees that you're hiring. So for small business owners especially, understanding who you're hiring onto your team and how that how they operate with you is very, very important. Um, so I always tell small business owners, the top talent may not be the right talent for you. So just because they're the top of their class or they're the best in the business, they may not be the right talent for you because they may not come in and operate in a way that is successful for both of you. So, you know, not to call them second tier or second rate talent, they just may not be the top of their class, but they might be the perfect fit for your business. So going out and saying, I want the top talent, I feel like that's a misconception. So for, you know, like you said, the Edward Joneses or the big law firms or things like that, yeah, they need the top talent because of what they're doing. But in a smaller business, you need the right talent. Um, so understanding what that really is by asking the right questions um, during an interview process is how that's established. Hey, hey, trust me, I know quite a few Edward Jones agents. They do not recruit uh, the top talent. Well, the people that sit in corporate. No, no, I know. I just, I just took an unnecessary job for no reason. They're actually, a really, <laughs> actually a really good company. I just don't believe in how they sell. Um, um, which I guess that didn't make any sense, right? That was just me trying to be political and nice. So last five questions that I ask everybody. Um, the first one is if you can go back and talk to 22-year-old Tiffany, what would you tell her? You can give her any advice on life, business, like whatever. What would you go back and tell her? That it's all going to be different. That the ideas and thoughts and notions that you have right now are going to be completely different in 10 years. That they're not going to be anything near what you thought they would be. Um, I was very strict on my plan, on my goal path. And so I stuck, stuck with it to a T. And then... I got through all the steps and about six or seven years into it, I'm like, great, I'm here. So now what? There was nothing really after that. So then you're kind of muddling through creating new goals. And then I moved to Texas and everything changed again. So it, it doesn't stay the same. Keep pushing, but it doesn't stay the same. So expect, expect that. Mm -hmm. um, where do you like to, what are three companies you like to do business with? Um, and they could be for business or personal reasons, but who do you like to spend your money with? Where do I like to spend money? Um, I like to spend money, I'd say clothing-wise, is New York and Company. I've, I've just fallen in love with their style, so that's my clothing company. Um, other than that, I just like keeping my money personally. So um, that's such a really hard question. Where do I like to spend money? Um, the other places I guess I spend money are Uber Eats. So that's a lot of multiple food companies, but I'd say I spend a large portion of my budget ordering food. Um, and then outside of that, it's stuff for my kid. So probably Target. Target, Target. We were, me and my wife were talking about Target the other day. I was like, when did Target become cool? Like, it just felt like it happened all of a sudden. Like, it did. Uh, outside of Amazon. Um, if we go to the store and it's not Kroger, like we're going to Target, it's crazy. Um, 
where where do you like to get your news? So not specific like channels, but is it TV? Is it newspaper? Is it online, social media? How do you get updated on what's Most going? of it's online. So it's either through social media, following um, news sources, um, or email. So subscribing to different sources that send out newsletters or information. Okay. And then when you get downtime, whenever that is, because you run a business, have a family. So whenever you get you do get do get downtime, what do you like to watch on TV or movies? Um, so I'm a big Hulu person. Um, right now, I've been watching ER, so the old school show, and I'm almost done with it. So and it's like 15 or 16 seasons or something. So yeah. I've been watching it for a while. But yes, I'm into things that have multiple seasons. So I, I'm a binge watcher for some reason. Mm -hmm. so I usually don't pick things that don't have a lot of seasons to it that no, makes sense I, I I am the same way I'll watch in, I'll watch in spurts I, I won't watch anything for like weeks and then I'll get some downtime and then and watch hey side, side note I got to meet uh what's his name uh chief we, ha we had like a fundraiser in San Antonio part of organization I was a part of and he was the uh the anchor celebrity and I was on the committee so cool story yeah, that's cool. Um, last, well, I think I got, yeah, last question. Um, what are three books that you read recently or your favorite three books of all time? Um, well, I need to look for sure. Uh, but my favorite HR book is Work Rules. Um, and I am an audio book person just because I have a 15-month-old, so sitting and reading a book um, mm -hmm. is almost impossible. Um, influence, The Psychology of Persuasion, um, and Crushing It are the last three books that I've read. And I'm re-listening to Work Rules right now. It's like my ultimate inspiration is basically the story of, and I don't think he's currently, the how Google became Google, so far as the HR story goes. So it kind of talks about their processes, procedures, about how they, how they operate and started recruiting the way they recruit. And, it goes into detail, so it's very interesting. Okay, cool. What, and, and what's the name of your company and how can people reach you? Um, so Crown Consulting Services is the name of my company and you can find me online at www.crownconsultingservice.com. We are also on Facebook under Crown Consulting Service as well. All right, well, I appreciate your help and um, I look forward to when I start having you follow me around. All right. We will definitely work on that. So we'll get your SOPs and all that stuff organized for you. I look forward to it.